Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Jerry Dulac in just a few moments. We'll talk with him about the Steelers. I'm actually going to lead off with Jerry about the Ryder Cup um, just as a leadoff because Jerry is so phenomenal at golf, among everything else. But uh, let's bring in Jerry right now. My friend, welcome back. It is so good to hear you on the other end. Appreciate your time. Oops. There we go. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Steve. How are you, man? There you go, my friend. So great to hear you on the other end. So wonderful to hear you. Doing okay? I'm doing great. How about you? Yeah, I'm more excited about Penn State's start than the Steelers, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. I do yeah. have to open up, though. i got to ask you about the Ryder Cup. 19 oh, yeah, absolutely. To nine. absolutely. 19-9, nine, that's, that, that's a dominating performance in this format. What did you think of the construction of the team and also what Steve Stricker did with it? Well, sometimes in these events... Steve, I think the captain is given too much credit and too much criticism um, because it still comes down to the players being able to go out that day and perform. Um, I do think, however, the fact that um, – um, and I don't think he did anything different than other guys have tried, especially lately, you know, sending them out in groupings and three different groupings during the practice rounds. But I think the key was all the guys coming there two weeks ago, two weeks early, all yes. the vice captains coming. So I think there was a sense of togetherness there that that certainly helps. Was one of the reason, but that was a, that was part of it. And I also think too, as you heard the guys talk about how all those guys have known each other a long time, because you look at the average age of this team. Dustin Johnson's the old guy in his mid thirties. So all these young guys have been together and playing against uh, other, you know, these uh, each other for a long time. And as as, as Jordan Spieth said, back to grade school. And so I think um, I think that was a big factor. And those young guys, you know, they don't have any baggage, mental baggage about past Ryder Cups, you know. And, and the only one who would would be Dustin Johnson. And look what he did: mm-hmm. went five mm-hmm. and zero. So I think that was a. I think that was a. Um, probably the biggest factor there's no question steve stricker's the type of guy um that a lot of them like still a good player easy going listen to what they had to say but other guys have tried that really the only captain that they didn't like was tom watson and and strangely enough strangely enough the most accomplished captain if you will other than than jack nicholas going backwards so um and of course it didn't help the Europeans, uh, you know, with so with the crowd like ninety eight percent, you know, against them pro pro USA because of the travel right. restrictions. That did, that didn't help them either. And and the the other thing that hurt the Europeans was the one thing that the Americans did that the Europeans have done for years, and that's putt well. And they just didn't putt yeah. well at all, no. especially Matthew Fitzpatrick and Victor Hovland. They were <laughs> they were absolutely brutal on the greens and and you know cost them a couple matches because their ball striking was good they just couldn't put anything in the hole sometimes you don't have a, a good weekend but what do you say right. about with rory mcelroy's right now at this well point? that was it that was the other thing too steve and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because that was the other point i wanted to make i think um you know he was uh nothing short of just disappointing and and, and you know when you're 
when your star player, and I know they have John Rahm, and John Rahm performed like the number one player in the world, but McElroy is, he's kind of the fabric of that team. And for him to go out and just play so poorly, not lose, just play so poorly, and him winning a singles match it was too late. And I think you saw that in his emotional reaction afterward. He knows he let the team down. And um, he did not rise to the occasion. I'm not going to say he shrunk to the occasion because he's beyond that. But his game, which has been so inconsistent all year, um, it just didn't show up uh, like it has in, in, in a number of majors. And um, I think that was a big, big factor when they see Rory struggling and not setting a, a tone for them. All right. So now we'll transition to the Steelers. <laughs> uh, okay, and I'll, they, I'll start right now, with right now. They are Rory McIlroy. Yes, at this point. They, so yeah, I'll, they they started like Dustin Johnson the first game, and now they've morphed into Rory McIlroy the past two. Yes, exactly. Ben Roethlisberger. I know a lot's been made of the fourth and ten. Here's my issue with the fourth and ten, uh, where he dumped the ball off to to Harris. All right. That's the kind of play I expect Daniel Jones to make. Yeah, yeah. I, not not a play that I expect Ben Roethlisberger, veteran who understands situational football, to make. Am I off base on that? Not at all. And and I think I you know the play bothers me on several front fronts. First and foremost, is that was the play that they came up with out of the timeout. Yes. Um, you know, it isn't like they were in a hurry up and they had no no timeouts. And you know, um, uh, you know, they for for whatever reason they had to hurry up and, and call a play. You know, and I can see that to a degree because the play was terrible. But but when you're coming out of a tight timeout and that's what you come up with, like several people said to me after the game, do you think it was they thought it was third down because that's like a third down type of play? And I said, well, that's impossible because they had a timeout. There's no way they thought that. Second of all, their explanation after the game, I think Ben's explanation was they thought they would get uh, Najee out in the flat and get some blockers in front of them. Um, and, and whether he's just covering up for a poor play call or whatever, but if you watch the replay, there's no blockers out in front. The, the line was blocking for him, and all the receivers went into the end zone. So, I, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a horrible play. It's a baffling play. I just don't get it, and to your point, and ben, you know, Ben said after the game, you know, I wish he says I wish we would have thrown it in the end zone or gone into the end zone. And he says I wish I would have gone into the end zone. I honestly don't know what happened there. That if Ben, whether Ben just thought, okay, I'm going to do what I want to do, or Ben's thinking, okay, if this is the play, we're going to run this play. I just can't believe that. Um, I, I, I just, it, it's just baffling on many fronts, and also. It's not like they thought they were going to sneak Najee Harris out into the flat. The guy had just caught eight passes on the final two drives, was 90% of their offense, and so it isn't like they were going to surprise uh, the Bengals with putting the ball in Najee Harris's hands. Um, so it was just uh, – I, I, I could go back a long way and not think of a play so, so horribly awful and puzzling as that one in, in, in that situation. I completely agree with that, uh, what you just said. Again, I expect a first, second, or th- you and I both see first, second, third year quarterbacks, it's fourth down. And, okay, I dumped it off. I got a completion. 
Like, no, that's not the right completion. And that's that's what baffled me about that. I mean, it's not a play Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes would make. No, and, and I don't know if Ben, if Ben, with the pressure of the last couple games, thinks he has to get rid of it. But still, he could still, he still could get rid of it on a quick slant into the end zone or anything. But in that situation, fourth and ten at the eleven. You know, yeah. if it's if you're on the three and you're going to try and run a little little soft wheel route or something, yeah. okay, get the ball in his hands quick and see if he can beat somebody to the end zone. But fourth and ten from the eleven, um, just uh, just a brutal, brutal call. And then Mike Tomlin saying afterward, adding to the puzzlement, which is we had fired all our bullets at that point and it wasn't a good mm-hmm. play, making it sound like mm-hmm. we didn't have a good play for that situation. We had used them all and and. That just added to the bewilderment of that play. Uh, how much is adding to the bewilderment of what they're trying to do with an offensive line that you, me, and everyone else identified as a potential problem going into the season? They can't run the ball. And no, no, he, that's right. And they're still last in the league. Now, yeah. we're seeing Najee Harris, you know, an 18-yard run. Two 14-yard runs two weeks ago, a 20-yard run uh, last week, a, a 10-yard run that was negated by a holding penalty. So we're seeing, starting to see some some production in that regard from the guy, and and incrementally, game by game. Um, the offensive line with four new starters would have been five at all all the positions. Um, it, you know, and three of them, two rookies, and a, and you know, a second-year guy who's starting for the first time. I, I didn't think, and I'm not going to evaluate them after three games. Are they struggling? Oh, yeah. But they yeah. knew it was going to be a work in progress with these young guys. Right. And right. now, if the same thing is happening in week 10, then you have to sit there and wonder, okay, is it time for a change? Do I think these guys aren't talented enough? No. The, uh, uh, guys with keener eyes than mine, former players, think the guys that they have, and of course, uh, talking to the coaches, the guys they have are good players. It's just going to take some time. And right. and individually, some of them win some battles, and and some of them don't. But all five of them aren't doing that at the same time. And I think I think they're caught a little between, um, you know, the quarterback that they have, who's accustomed to a, an offensive line that's going to drop step and protect them, and, and and an offense where they want to try to run the ball and get in the three point stance. Um, you know, and and you know, Ben gets under center, but he doesn't get up under center a lot, um, and that's different for him too. So I think all of that combined, Steve, is just making the whole thing look discombobulated. And yet, and yet, they go to Buffalo in the second half. They score four straight, four consecutive scoring drives and win the game. Um, right. And that's the very first game of the year against a good Buffalo team. So uh, the one thing I have learned over the years, and I'm sure you would agree, is that, and I saw this in 2008, I, it's a long season. I've seen yep. stranger things happen. In week three of 2008, they went to Philadelphia, and they got ambushed. Ben threw a couple interceptions. He was sacked eight times. They scored three points. They scored 13 points in, the, in those two games, the second week and week three. Excuse me, it was 16 points. Yeah. And they just looked pathetic, and they couldn't protect Ben. And you know what? They ended up in the Super Bowl and won. And right. so, you know, good or bad, I'm not going to evaluate them after three games. I'll, I've learned to say I'll just wait and see. I'll give it. A, I'll give it week ten or so 
before right. I make no, some, I, jump to some conclusions. No. I feel the same way. I've always been a big believer. I need to see a body of work. Right, right. right. And, and this team has its body of work, like the Eagles and everybody else. It's limited to this point. Defensively, no T.J. Watt. My running joke all week was the only thing that worked for him last week was direct deposit. Uh, but okay. But what is the domino effect when he is not on the field? Well, he's not on the field. Alex Highsmith, the other outside linebacker, is on the field. And Melvin Ingram has to play 50, however many snaps, 57 snaps for the most part. And they don't want him doing that. Uh, they, because the guy's 32, but he has two bad knees, well, one in particular. And they brought him in to be a nice rotational guy, play about 25 snaps a game, Okay, it's early in the season, but they don't want Melvin Ingram having to play that many snaps. And so, unfortunately, last week he did. And now the trickle-down of that is they're using two guys on the outside in, their, in a three-man rotation uh, who have played a combined 47 snaps in the NFL. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? Uh, your, yeah. your strength of your team is now your weakest part of your team for that game. And now, you know, it's the first game without Tyson Alu-Alu. He He fractured his ankle. He is out for the season. And there's still no Stephon to it. So four of your top seven guys aren't playing in that game. And Devin Bush, it's his first game back after uh, after a groin injury. So they were just being a little careful with him, taking him out of some sub packages, uh, just to make sure you know they uh, he doesn't get too much too much strain on that groin injury. So um, you know that might sound like an excuse, and and but to me it's a good excuse because of who you're missing yeah. and at what positions. And so I'm not going to sit there and worry about the defense. I think uh, with all those guys on the field, except for uh, Stephon Tewitt, you saw what they did in Buffalo. Um, and I think that defensively they'll be okay. But when you're missing two of those front three guys, Tewitt and Alu-Alu, and there's no timetable for Tewitt to come back, Steve, um, it's not like they have a, a lot of young guys uh, you know, waiting to jump into the lineup. You know, quality guys, their, their depth there is very suspect. And, uh, you know, they're going to rely on guys who are not. Chris Wormley's been okay, but they're going to rely on some young guys who just aren't proven NFL players. And so there's going to be a big drop-off there. Jerry, it's always a pleasure, my friend. It's just great to hear you on the other end and all the stuff you have to say. appreciate you so much. Well, Steve, thanks for the golf talk. It's good tonic for me. Uh, you know, take my <laughs> mind off of football for a while. So uh, I always enjoy the golf talk and uh, – like I said, I'm excited by what I'm seeing up there, and we'll keep our fingers crossed and see how it goes. Absolutely. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. I hope your daughter's doing great up here. So. <laughs> yes, she is, Steve, and I told her I was coming on with you, so she was all excited. Oh, that's great. Thanks, hey, I'll Jerry. Be up there. I'll be up there in a couple oh, of weeks to visit her. I'm staying overnight. I think it's a bye week. I'll contact you and see if you want to sneak in a little early nine holes on a Friday. That's cool. I can't wait. Thanks, my friend. I'll let friend. you know, though. All right, man. Thanks, Jerry.